Welcome to Cato Daily Podcast with Anastasia Glova. Today is Friday the 13th of April 2007. At a recent Cato event, South Africa's Tony Leon, the outgoing head of the Democratic Alliance and leader of the opposition in Parliament, spoke about the health of South Africa's democracy. You can watch or listen to the event at the Cato Event Archive, available on our website. In today's podcast episode, I take the discussion a step further with Cato's Marian Tupi, a policy analyst at the Center for Global Liberty and Prosperity. Why don't we begin by telling me what are some of the troubling trends that are plaguing South Africa? South Africa has achieved a number of very important improvements in the macroeconomic area. The inflation is under control. There is accelerating economic growth. But the country is plagued by a number of very important problems. Among the most serious ones are unemployment, which broad definition of unemployment is about 40% of the working populace. Very high rates of violent crime, about 18,500 people get murdered in South Africa every year, which is, as a proportion of population, it's about 10 times the murder rate of that of the United States. And of course, there is a massive problem with HIV AIDS prevalence, which is very high among South Africans. Why does crime remain such a daunting problem? One of the reasons for crime, I believe, is that you do have very high rates of unemployment and you do not have enough of a flexible labor market that can soak up so many of these unemployed people. South African population is growing at a much faster pace than the economy. And so the unemployment rate is actually increasing. In 1994, South Africa, on a narrow definition, had about 20% unemployed people Today, in a much larger population, it is about 26%. I should point out the difference between the narrow and the broad definition. The narrow definition are people who are looking for work. The broad definition are people who are not looking for work because they believe there are no working opportunities. And obviously, if you have all these people who are unemployed and who are destitute in a country with a great degree of income inequality like South Africa, you are going to have high rates of crime. But that is not the only reason why South Africa has violent crime. One of the most important reasons why South African crime is out of control is because the police force is incompetent. It is staffed because of racial belonging or racial identity of the policemen rather than because of their ability. And also because, simply put, crime and fighting crime has simply not been on the priority list of the South African government. Going back to that unemployment problem you mentioned, hasn't the ANC promoted relatively pro-market policies and hasn't this produced pretty good results? The ANC has run a tight ship when it comes to spending of money. And as I said, a number of macroeconomic indicators have improved, including, for example, inflation. Also, South African GDP growth rate is significantly higher than what it was in the last decade of apartheid. And that's all very good. Unfortunately, there are a number of areas where the South African economy has not been liberalized. For example... The labor market is very highly regulated and the productivity of the South African labor force is not very high. Let me give you an example about what I'm talking about when I mention productivity. South Africans are about twice as productive per person as Indonesians, but five times as expensive. So even though you're only going to get twice as much output 
per worker in South Africa as you get in Malaysia, you have to pay them five times as much as Malaysians. So when businesses are thinking about where to invest, uh, obviously they are looking for the best deal possible and they are not going to be looking in South Africa or they are going to be looking in South Africa to a much lesser extent. So the point I'm making is that the labor force or the labor market is highly overregulated. The business environment on many levels is not conducive to investment and South African government, I believe, still has a lot of work to do in deregulating the economy in order to enable South Africans to produce the kind of economic growth South Africa needs. How has Thabo Mbeki's leadership affected the ANC? Well, I think that Thabo Mbeki has had a very centralizing influence on the ANC. That is to say, centralization of power under Thabo Mbeki within the ANC has certainly grown. I think that when it comes to the ideology of the ANC, Mandela was much more important because Mandela really severed the ties between the ANC and the Communist Party in terms of, for example, economic policy. So in that sense, Mandela had a very transforming effect on the ANC. What Mbeki did was to essentially turn the top echelons of the party into his own vehicle for his own power. That is, of course, troubling, in part because Thabo Mbeki wants to remain or seems to want to remain as the head of the ANC after he relinquishes the presidency in 2009. So now the ANC is contributing to the erosion of democracy in South Africa. There are a number of steps which the ANC has taken which have to make you wonder whether the ANC is committed to the letter and the spirit of liberal democracy. Among the examples which are being used is the fact that the ANC has turned the South African Broadcasting Corporation, the SABC, into a propaganda arm of the ANC. A number of government critics have been banned from appearing on the SABC and news coverage that is critical of the president and of the ANC is very tough to come by. The members of the opposition, on the other hand, very seldom are shown on television. Basically, the broadcaster has become a propaganda arm of the ANC. There are a lot of proposals by the ANC with regard to judicial independence, which raise an eyebrow. For example, the ANC wishes to take away the administrative control of the courts away from the chief justice and give it to the justice minister. It is these sorts of things that the ANC is doing which make people wonder about its commitment to liberal democracy in the long term. What are some of the political alternatives to leadership by the ANC? Well, ideally, it would be a party like the Democratic Alliance, which has a more market-friendly agenda, which is committed to small government, to the separation of powers between the different branches of government, which is committed to the rule of law and also to the equality of individuals. But unfortunately, the ANC still commands support of about 70% of the voting public, which really means that the ANC for the foreseeable future is going to be in charge, regardless of whether its policies deliver the goods or not. So yes, there are other parties in South Africa, but unfortunately, they are very small. and The ANC still commands so much of the South African vote that the government is not going to change very quickly. Changing the topic a little bit, do you think Mbeki is going to step down in 2009? And now that Jacob Zuma is no longer a factor, is there an heir apparent? 
Thabo Mbeki is prevented by the constitution from standing for the third term and will have to retire next year, that's in 2008. He did, however, express an interest, or rather he didn't deny that he will stand for the leadership of the ANC, which really means that he would still continue to run the most important party and then handpick a successor who presumably would do his bidding as the leader of the country as a whole, perhaps with the view that Becky could come back to the presidency at some future point. But hasn't he expressed at least some interest in changing the constitution to that end? So far, he has only indicated that he might be interested in standing again as the leader of the ANC. It is true that the ANC does have constitutional majority in the parliament and can do whatever it pleases. But I think that um, Becky is conscious of the kind of criticism that he would get within South Africa, but also throughout the world, if he tried to do what ultimately was the undoing of so many African countries, which is to say to have a leader who is increasingly aged and without the kind of ideas and resourcefulness that is necessary for him to pursue a reformist agenda. I mean, it happened so many times in Africa that a leader that has been elected once or twice had stayed on for 20 years or 30 years. In Zimbabwe, of course, we have a man who's been in power for 27 years and it's been a complete disaster. So I think that Becky probably is not going to touch the constitution but will try to keep power de facto, if not de jure, by remaining the head of the ANC. Thank you so much, Marion. To bring you this podcast, Cato accepted no government funding. The Institute receives approximately 75% of its funding from individuals. So if you enjoyed this program, please consider giving to Cato. You can find out how on our website, www.cato.org.